One, two OSRs after you. Three, four, <laughs> nine, ten, never sleep again. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Hindsightless, the far too frequent podcast where I talk about life, role playing games, or whatever else might be running around inside of my head, but mostly those other things, I promise. Enough already. I get it. I do. I do. I promise. <laughs> I get it. But I got a bunch of really interesting calls on a variety of topics from my last episode. And I think they're important, so I want to get them out there. Uh, the first few call-ins are from Carl of the GMologist Presents podcast. Go check it out. And he's talking, he's uh, adding context to the story that Jason told on my last episode about the 9th Regiment of the U.S. Army and how they got uh, this chalice from China. Because when Jason first told that story, when I first heard it, I instantly was like, ooh, and felt a little uncomfortable about it. That, you know, it would just be a story of U.S. troops going in back in history and just, you know, taking spoils of war from another country. That's where I thought it came from. But Carl calls in with the the history of how this actually happened and that's really cool then he's got some more stuff to say about gaming uh and then i respond but after my responses to carl if it gets it gets a little heavy jason and colin call in and we talk about aging and getting older and so if you there's no gaming content in there whatsoever so if you don't want to you know, get into that stuff, then you can just stop after my responses to Carl. I'll give you another warning then. And that's it. All right. Well, let's get into uh, the story of how the 9th Regiment got that cool chalice from China. That's a very cool story about the 9th Infantry Regiment that Jason Connolly gave you, uh, Joe, on their podcast and just a little more information. So that bull was gifted to the 9th Infantry Regiment for their gallant uh, gallantry and heroics at the Battle of Tianten uh, during the Boxer Rebellion. So it wasn't like a like it wasn't like a spoil of war. It was an honor that they were given this chalice, and it's pretty cool looking actually. Um, apparently, it's worth a couple million bucks. Cool story. Battle of Tianjin. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly. But that's where the 9th Infantry got to the, uh, the ball. And it's kind of neat. I mean, I guess you never realize. I mean, our country's not that old. But the 9th Infantry has been around since apparently the 18th century. And they were formed as a regiment in Massachusetts and have been around more or less since the Revolutionary War with engagements in the War of 1812, etc. Um, yeah, this was like, man... Sure, I'd love to do a Napoleonic-era RPG with some weird, of course, because it has to be with some weird and different than history. But I was thinking about a Sharps Rifles. But hey, man, why not the 9th Infantry Regiment Manchus? Maybe they saw some weird stuff back in 1812. Carl, thank you so much for doing that research. You truly are 
a academic and a scholar. Uh, that was dope, man. And leave it to you to work in some gaming content in there. Fucking awesome job. I think it'd be really fun to play like a weird Cthulhu-y, you know, Ninth Regiment around the Revolutionary War times. That would be, that'd be interesting. I definitely, that, that sounds like fun. Anyway, man, you got more stuff to say about gaming. So what's up? And this brings me to another point, Joe Richter, and maybe I'll touch on this on on the Geomologist Presents, but I learned a lot from role-playing games in D&D. And sure, I think my playing D&D and my interest looking at, you know, appendix whatever on the back of the, uh, of the DMG, you know, and reading those books, like it really heightened my vocabulary, heightened my my historical knowledge and drove a lot of pursuit into, well, how accurate is this about medieval culture, uh, Asian medieval culture, Roman culture, etc. You know, it's, it's pretty neat how the game with its pseudo Renaissance or pseudo medieval stylings drives you or drove me at least to further pursuits. Uh, so I, have another comment on your outro for the second episode in a row maybe so um have you ever tried question for you i guess have you ever tried to have a role-playing game centered or based in the dark tower verse i don't know i wonder how you could model that um it's kind of a neat like it's a western world but it's not a western world it's a post-apocalyptic, eh. kind of neat. Something to think about one of these days to put together. No, Carl, I have not played or run a game set in the Dark Tower universe. I incorporate so much of that lore into my games on a regular basis that I sort of feel like I have, but I've never done it full out. Uh, like for instance, the, where the party in the rat hack is heading now to doorway cave, that's, I directly lifted that from, uh, wolves of the Kala, which I think it's the fifth book of the dark tower series. Doorway cave is basically the nexus to a bunch of different worlds. And in between those worlds waits the toe dash darkness, which is where the monster from it hung out and partied in case anyone was wondering but yeah i i'd be i i don't know is there a, an officially licensed dark tower rpg i imagine carl or jason or somebody out there would know and if there's not is there a system that is implicitly probably not explicitly because they wouldn't have the license but implicitly based on that I don't even know if I'm fucking using that word right. I don't care. Uh, based on the Dark Tower universe. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's got to be, right? There's got to be, but I don't know if I would like it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I would if they did a good job, but I just, ooh, I hesitate. I hesitate. Anyway, D&D is actual, it is absolutely knowledge. You can learn a lot. I learned a ton about language and a skewed sense of history and all that stuff and math. Yeah, man, role-playing games are the greatest hobby anyone could have. 
Okay, that's it. That's the end of the RPG content. Um, from this point, there be dragons. If you don't want to talk about getting old, stop here. But if you're curious to hear what Jason and Spike Pit and myself have to say on the topic, carry on. Anyway, see you on the other side. Hey, Joe, I forgot to say when I called you last night, I do appreciate the positivity in your last podcast, reminding people that everything they've done, all the cool stuff, their whole life, they have that to look forward to again because they're only halfway through it. I kind of think I'm two, two-thirds of the way through mine, if I'm lucky, to be honest. Um, but I, I do think that positivity is a good thing, and I'm glad you're out there doing that. So keep up the great work. Hi, Joe. Talking of age, I I think I'm in a little bit of a similar boat to you. I work with some older folk, a lot of them in their 80s, some of them as much as in their late 90s. And most of the time, we've had a good laugh and I've learned a lot and they're super appreciative uh, of what I'm doing to help them out with their gardens and stuff. But uh, recently, I've been finding myself uh, thinking a bit more than usual about, uh, you know, the whole business of getting older. And I found myself, like, ageing, myself thinking like I was in my 50s uh, when I'm I'm still in my 40s, which is a bit weird. I don't exactly know what that's all about. But I got to thinking, with a career change, I'm actually only probably, you know, all, all things being equal and being lucky and staying healthy, I'm probably only like halfway into my working life. So it seems like, a, you know, now's a perfect time if I'm going to make a change to make a change now. Um, and yeah... Uh, Midlife is a funny time to start thinking about an exit strategy or, you know, a, a downward slope. Um, I've done quite a lot up to this point and I can see no reason why that necessarily is going to change. I think there's loads more challenges, loads more stuff I want to do. And yeah, man, I'm with you. Um what is it? You're only as old as the woman you feel. <laughs> well, I'm not currently feeling any women, so I don't know how old that makes me. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. A little self-deprecation never hurts. Anyway, first off, let me... Jason, I don't think you're two-thirds of the way through. One thing that tends to get overlooked in a lot of conversations about age and aging is that medical technology is advancing at a rapid clip. In the next 20 years or so, I think we're going to see some real amazing breakthroughs that's going to do a lot to extend life and extend quality of life. I really, really believe that. These, I mean, these vaccines that were developed for the coronavirus 
I forget. I just watched this super smart dude talk about them, and they're they're such a new technology. Um, but they have such wide ranging applications. The way that they're created, the the speed in which they can be created, what they can actually do, you know, just slight modifications. Um, they could end up being. Obviously not these specific ones, but the same technology could be used to cure types of different cancers and stuff. So, yeah, I really think that we're going to have more life from this point than we did previously. At least for the people around my age in their middle years, you know, anywhere from mid-30s to, like, early 50s. I, I think we're we're gonna see some amazing stuff, and yeah, uh, Colin, it it is <laughs> it is easy to start feeling old when you know you you interact with elderly folks on a consistent basis, and that's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing, but you know it's good to feel your own age too. So. I hear you, but these folks, some of the, I mean, it's crazy. Like some of the people that I have the privilege of helping because it is a privilege are just in these crazy dire situations of no fault of their own. And they're, they manage to stay up. They manage to stay positive. This one case that I've been working on hard the past few days, this dude's only 51 years old, born with cerebral palsy that affected the right side of his body. Uh, he, he dealt with that. He could walk. He didn't need a cane or anything. As he said, as he described it to me, he walked like Kevin Spacey from the movie Usual Suspects, but he could still walk on his own power, managed to get himself a wife, find somebody he loves. And they got married and they were happy. Then he suffered a brainstem stroke that affected the left side of his body. So now this dude is bound to his wheelchair. Can't get out. He can use the right side a little bit of his body a little bit, but the left side is pretty much thrashed. But his wife his companion, his primary caretaker was there by his side, by his side to help him out. And then in October, she died. So now this dude is by himself living in his condo and he's not old enough to qualify for a bunch of programs that would be able to help him. He's got a little too much money to qualify for other programs and he doesn't want to go to an assisted living facility. He doesn't want to give up, as he describes it. He's telling me he still wants to go out. He still wants to experience life. He wants to meet somebody else. He wants to find a new girlfriend. Like, this dude <laughs> is amazing. Like, we all whinge and moan about what's going on in our lives. And yeah, it's hard. Everybody's life is hard, but some folks have objectively harder lives than others of no fault of their own. And 
the fact that this guy can just fucking get up every morning and want to keep going is, I mean, it's inspirational. It's amazing. The fact that his heart hasn't turned black because he's so bitter at what the hand he's been dealt is fucking astounding. I mean, simply put, it's, it's unreal. So I don't know, like I, I intended that to be a positive message. I hope it's taken as such, but just know, um, you can get through things that seem really hard. It's possible and it's, it's probable. Humans are resilient sons of bitches. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and Colin, dude, switching careers halfway through. I absolutely feel you on that one, man. I, as I talked about before, I worked in the restaurant business for the majority of my life for like pretty much 20 years. Uh, realized that was kind of, uh, you know, you, I, I couldn't do it for, for any, for longer. Like I had, I'd had my fill. It's a really hard job on the body. It's hard on the, it's hard on your soul when things just get that hectic. And yeah. So I got out, I went back to school just like you did. I graduated from university when I was 40 and I jumped into this new field, a nonprofit where I get to help seniors and folks with disabilities. And it's, it's rewarding. It is stressful. It is infuriating. But at the end of the day, when I get done with work, I can, I can say, Hey, I helped, you know, I directly helped three people today or seven people today or however many. Plus I have other irons in the fire where things are coming down the pipeline to help these folks. I mean, it's tough. I currently have 73 clients, <laughs> 73 people that all need help. Some just simple. You know, you just bang it out, close the case, be done with it. Others are really complex, like that dude I was just talking about. And yeah, it's it's awesome. Changing careers the way I did and the way you're doing, Colin, in the middle of our lives, it takes a lot. It 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 took a lot for me to get through school and to graduate. Uh I'm I'm really proud that I was able to do that. That was fucking tough. Uh, I am, I am so, I admire the shit out of you, Colin. Like, I think it's awesome that you're switching things up and, you know, going to be a teacher now. I, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for teachers. My mom was a teacher. Uh, all of her friends are teachers. Whenever I go home, I hang out with, cause most of my mom's friends are actually my age cause they're teachers. Uh, and it's fantastic. So, you know, kudos to you, my friend. I think that's, it's a noble, it's a noble endeavor. I hope you still get to get out and garden some, uh, cause I know you enjoy that too, but at least now you'd be able to do it at your own, you know, at your own pace. So yeah, that's it. We're all going to get old. Hopefully, you know, you'll, we'll all have somebody to get old with. But if not, 
you know, then not. And that's that's also fine. Because there are plenty of people who get old by themselves and they're okay with it. But it's not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing, I don't think. It's an inevitable thing, but... Yeah, I... Shit, I don't know. I just hope... I just hope we all realize that... Getting old isn't the worst. Even though it seems like it. Because things get harder. But, you know... We just gotta be harder than that. Yeah. So let me close out of this. Hopefully that was positive. Yeah, that was that. That was... That's what we all had to say about that. Again, I hope that's taken in a positive light. I mean it in a positive light. Emphasis on light. Uh, beating back the toad ash darkness. Anyway, folks, that's it. Thanks to Spike Pit, Carl, and Jason. Remember, Carl has a new podcast called The GMologist Presents. That's capital G, capital M, lowercase ologist presents. Uh, you can find it on Anchor for now. I'm not sure if Anchor has put it out everywhere else yet, but check it out. He's a smart dude. He does his research. And yeah, that was, that was Jason at the top with his little creepy OSR nursery rhyme. And I, uh, I, f- I filled in the gaps for him. So we'll listen to that after I tell you guys to be good to each other. Be kind. Be gentle. But don't be, don't be too soft. Be a little bit soft, but not too soft. You got to be a little hard. A little bit hard. The world is hard. You got to be a little harder than that. But don't, don't get too hard. <laughs> Peace out. One, two OSRs coming for you. Three, four, better listen at the door. Five, six, grab your ten-foot sticks. Seven, eight, I'm too old to play late. Nine, ten, just want to sleep again.